And uh, I like this one especially because no matter what, no matter if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, no matter if you know God or not, no matter where you're at in your, 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 your relationship with God, no matter where you are at in your, uh, your closeness to God, uh, no matter how far along the journey you are in your, in your walk with Christ, or if this is the first time you've ever even heard the name Jesus Christ, God calls you this. He says, we are vessels. And he says more than that. He says that we are vessels that are to be fit for the master's use. The master he's referring to is Jesus Christ. And that means that you're not just any old vessel. That you were crafted. And it also means and implies that if you're going to be a part of the master's plan, not only not any old vessel will do. Not any old container will do. One of the things uh, that I instantly knew about my wife was that when I met her at 23 years old, uh, she didn't have a lot of experience cooking. And the reason I knew this was because when I went to see her at her apartment, I looked at her equipment. I looked at her frying pans. I looked at what she had. And she had very little. And that instantly told me something. It told me that she could cook very little things. Right? There were not many things that she could cook. Because she didn't have the containers to do it. You know, when you're a cook, you don't you can't just cook anything in any old container. You have to have the right container. You have to have the right vessel. My wife to this day, she bemoans me because when I have leftovers, I'm looking for the right vessel that will fit the leftovers. I have this chart in my head. Because I'm used to working in a kitchen where, you know, you don't just put like a, you know, this much food in a big old container. Right? Because you got to have enough room to fit it all in there. And it's got to be labeled and it's got to be put in the right shelf and everything to that. And I think God is that way. And I, I want you to think about that idea of being a vessel tonight because... I think you're designed and made for a function. And that those functions are not all the same. They're not. And I want you to know that in my deepest heart of hearts, you need a purpose in life. And you need to seek it out and avail it for yourself. I love Pastor Goody. If anyone can tell us our purpose, it would be Pastor Gooding, and the, you know, he's an older man who's been preaching for 40 years. And he's more educated than anyone else in this building, I can say it confidently. And yet, he looked us all in the face when he was preaching to us and said, I can't tell you your purpose. All I can tell you is that you have a purpose and that it's up to you to find it. And I really appreciated that honesty. That he wasn't going to try to 
put you in some sort of pigeonhole. I'm not going to do that either. What I'm going to emphasize is that as vessels, you're not an enemy. What God is going to tell us in this scripture is that we're not simply some vehicle or a container. We have a purpose. That's why as I brought up the analogy of being a cook, because to a cook, a container is not just a container. And a cooking, uh, uh, a, a, a piece of equipment that has to do with cooking is not just some piece of equipment. It has a purpose. There's a value to it. You know, you get excited when you're a cook and you see a certain type of label. You're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. And I want you to realize that tonight, that God is looking at you that way. God is looking at you as a certain vessel. And he's really excited about the vessel that he's created. And I want to warn you tonight as well. That this is a wonderful and also fearful thought. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. This is what the Word of God says. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Let's trust God tonight. Lord, Father, God, I thank you in this place and I ask you to pour out your heavenly and holy spirit upon this place and fill these earthen vessels, Father God. Make us vessels of honor tonight so that we can glorify and exalt the Master, our Master, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us live exemplary lives, Lord Father God, and allow us to excel through your Master craftsmanship of our lives, of our hearts, of our minds, our souls, our bodies, and our spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The man said, if men are indeed the servants of God and the vessels of the Holy Spirit, then there can be no real division between what the Holy Spirit opens and what spirit-filled men cause to happen in the name of the Lord. Let me say that again. There can be no real division between what the Holy Spirit opens and what spirit-filled men cause to happen in the name of the Lord. What have you caused to happen this week? See, it's both a fearful and a wonderful thought that we are indeed the vessels that God will use to accomplish eternal purposes. You know, it's a dangerous mentality to have that though we are to be and do certain things as Christians, what we are and do has no real actual effect on what God does. That's a dangerous thought process. This is how many of us live way too often. The idea that virtues and issues involved in being disciples are primarily a matter of a personal spiritual experience. 
or the purpose of a ministry. Right? See, the fact of the matter is that this scripture is crystal clear. All of us have facets and degrees of ministry. All of us are called vessels. And as vessels, what God does, what he will do with his vessels is an important thing. It will either bring honor or dishonor. See, it means what we can and what we will do actually will either help or hinder the very work of God. It means that there are things God is able to do or things that are not or may not ever be done because of the availing and obedience of your spirit or the neglect and the failure and the refusal of your spirit. It's important that as vessels, you realize that you are not simply a vehicle or a container that is inanimate. You are animated by God, and God is going to use you for honor or dishonor. That's what the scripture says. And I want you to think about that because I want you to wonder tonight, how are you chosen? How are you chosen by God? How are you chosen as a vessel? What are you chosen for? Why have you been chosen? Because I think that God gives us some real insight in the book of Timothy. See, you're chosen vessels by his word. Like I read in the scripture very simply, he already has called you a vessel. You are a vessel. And how are you defined? You're defined by his word. 2 Timothy, in the next chapter, chapter 3, refers to perilous times. Difficult, grievous, hard, fierce times. Those are all different ways of saying the word perilous. And he warns Timothy on behalf of the, of the church, or for the church, I should say, not just of the wickedness of sins, but how they're linked to a relationship that you have to the truth and to the word. Remember, we're vessels. He uses the term a form of godliness in that chapter. That means that you have knowledge, but not the truth. You're a vessel, but not a vessel of honor. You're the latter. You resist the truth. You have a mind that is reprobate concerning the truth. Paul goes on. He says, these words that are very profound to this church, and I would say to you tonight, any of you who have 
who have been around this fellowship or who have actually been preached the gospel out of this fellowship know one thing, and that is that you have fully known the doctrine. Paul says, you have fully known my doctrine. And you need to continue in what you've learned. From a child you have known the scriptures, he says to Timothy. Paul found Timothy when he was just a young man. He says, it is able to make you wise unto salvation. The word of God will make you wise unto salvation if you do not ignore it. If you do not neglect it. That the word, he says, the scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is important. It means every single word in that Bible is breathed by God. Spoken by him. It's not just spoken by your pastor. It's not just spoken by your mom and dad. It's not just spoken by your husband or your wife. It's spoken by God himself. He says it's profitable for things like teaching. This is why. This is why. This is why we get so worried about you teens. When they say that we can't teach things. You wonder why pastor wants you at church, your young people. I want you at church because I know that they won't let you be taught the things of God in your classrooms, in school. They won't allow that. I beg them. Let me come in. Let me come in. I'll come for free. Most of the schools around here want nothing to do with it. I can tell you that. They would love for me to fund something of theirs. They would love that. They love the appearance of, of God. The form of godliness. They never allow me to do it. Why is that? See, it's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. That means, that means it's profitable to correct you. That's the red marker when you're looking at a English paper, kids. The red marker. It's good for that. God's word will, will, will say, no, you can't lie to your parents. God's word will say things like, no, no, you can't, you can't eat all the food. It says that in the word of God. Believe it or not. Can't eat all the food. Can share it. True. <laughs> it's there for correction. Most importantly, and most powerfully to what I'm talking about tonight, is there to instruct you in righteousness. That's why he says, listen, Timothy, you need to preach the word. When you feel like preaching the word, and when you don't feel like preaching the word, you need to preach the word. I can tell you succinctly. 4.17 p.m. today. I did not feel like preaching the word. I did not. I was ready to sleep and go to bed until tomorrow morning. 
Luckily, I'm not alone in this fight. I have many of you that help me spur me on. See, you convict and you argue against what is wrong. That's what he tells Timothy. You make arguments against what is wrong. Sometimes that is necessary. You need to reprimand sometimes and strongly admonish people sometimes. You must confront actions as being blamable offenses. I had to do this you know, with my daughter recently. I had to tell her, no, you're guilty now. You've been told. You know. And I have relatives, they, oh, no, they're just doing that. Yes. It doesn't make me love her less to tell her the truth that's in the Word of God. To tell her that acting a certain way is the proper way to act. I'm not talking about doing it in a way of, of, of hatred. God does not do it in a way of hatred. God does it because you're his child and he wants to rear you up in the ways of righteousness. This is what the Word of God, he's producing in effect. Have you ever remembered when, when you first... Uh, saw somebody make a, a pot of clay and you watch the person and they're making it and then all of a sudden they realize it's it's all of a sudden it starts getting all warm and then all of a sudden <laughs> right and they just crush it and start over again they don't cry about it they don't they don't go oh, well it's kind of no, they don't. No one does that. It kind of looks like a vase, you know. No, they don't do that. We're not French here. We're not satisfied with a leaning tower. Oh, thank you. I always want to blame the French. That's my bad. I apologize. Always go for the cheap one. I heard that the trains weren't on time either. So that makes you feel <laughs> Speak with purpose. Because you want to produce an effect. That's how God is building you. He's, he's building you as a vessel because he wants to produce an effect. See, time will come when people will not endure that. That's what this time that we live in right now, that's what they're talking about. They won't do or endure solid, wholesome doctrine. That's why you watch people in this church and I start to give them food or Pastor Lopez started to give them like a little bit of, you know, he didn't just give a steak. He started out with baby food, but then he started giving them more food and then all of a sudden you watch them vomit it out and walk out the door and don't come back. That's what was happening. They would not endure sound doctrine. They wouldn't endure what the word of God said. That's, that's why. That's, it's heartbreaking to watch. But it's the truth. It's, it's the time that we live in. They, we bear with them, but they won't take the whole food. They won't do it. And it's because of their own desires, their own lusts. It always is, isn't it? They always tell you, you know, when it all push comes to shove, why? I 
And then all the vomit comes out. Keep to themselves teachers. They turn away from truths and turn to fables. This is what Pastor Gooding was talking about. He was talking about the, 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 uh, the, the church that's 300 years old. And now it has a guy who's doing Buddhist classes in there. Because he's become spiritually bilingual. That's keeping up to themselves teachers. I knew I had to put that in the sermon once I heard him tell me that story. I had, that was one I hadn't heard. He's really in the know when it comes to these types of things. That's why I showed up all night. Because I know he could give me something that I hadn't even heard. Amazing. But that's what we see, right? You know? Oh, it reminds me of the backslider, you know, who I knew was not living for God. And he was right before he jumped off the cliff. I remember him telling me, oh, Wes, you need to check this out. Now, he should have been saying, Wes, when can I come back to church? But he was saying, Wes, you got to check this out and elevate church. The elevate church. The relevant church. Oh, this guy, he's good. You got to check him out. You know what I checked him out? You know who his followers are? Paris Hillen, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian. He doesn't preach on the Word of God anymore. You know, because he's, his emphasis is to, is to bring people in. And, and his real emphasis is to keep himself a teacher. That feeds what he wants, which is to be friends with obviously Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. See, I know if I was in here, they would not be the best of friends now. Unless I could say, look at how Kanye changed. He used to be a stinking, lying, cheating, blasphemous loser. Come on, tell him, Kanye. Then we would be one. Because remember, Kanye is the one who said that he was God. See, they turn away earth, uh, ears from the truth and they turn to fables. That's what people do. And you're supposed to be a vessel tonight. Let me just tell you, you're a vessel. And you're going to be a vessel and you are a vessel. Kanye West is a vessel. Every single precious soul I'm talking about tonight, they're vessels. Even the ones who have fallen away that I am rebuking with the word of God, they are vessels and I am doing it because I want them to repent and believe and turn to Jesus Christ and the word of God and get the roots of apostasy out of their heart. Because that's what apostasy is. It's not being faithful to the word of God. It's being blasphemous. And it begins... It always begins by neglecting the word of God. This is what happens. It's no longer the foundation. It's no longer the measure. It's no longer the reference of all we do. And we always neglect it by degrees. Kanye West did it by saying, Jesus walks. Jesus walks. He neglected it by a degree. 
Isn't that interesting? Selective. We become preferential to the truth. And it's our greatest failure. And what it's called is neglecting the whole truth. Isn't that funny how that's how things are nowadays in everything? We neglect the whole truth. These are the kind of guys that, and I'm going to give a, a, a weird reference for Brandon and a couple of other men in this room. These are the kind of guys that you always beat in like the fantasy football leagues or especially fantasy rotisserie baseball leagues. You know? You know what I'm talking about? They're, they're the guys that they pick the same player every time because they're rooting for the guys that they want on their team. But they don't have the guy who has the whole truth, right? Right? They're happy. They think Bryce Harper is better today than when he came into the league. No, he isn't. He just hit his prime, 27. He's already started neglecting the truth of baseball. He don't feel no more. He doesn't throw people out anymore. He don't steal bases. He's neglecting the whole truth of what baseball is, which is getting around four bases and scoring a run. That's my commentary on the man who made $300 million. We'll see if he neglects the whole truth. See, it's like food we don't like. My kids are starting to do this. It's really irritating me. They're moody with food. They tend to reject certain things. They lay aside the rest. My son, all he wants is apples. The worst invention we created. We gave in to the whole truth. You know? And now all he wants is apple meat. This is how we become. Are you eating apple meat tonight? Or are you eating the whole meal? It's an attitude that it's our prerogative to pick and choose. Think about it. Think about food, guys. Just let's use a simple analogy about food. Because remember, I'm talking about us being a vessel. But we just think that we can just pick willy-nilly food. Food is what keeps us alive and sustains us. God made food. He made certain types of food that have certain value to them. I'm going to be an advocate for Kelly Bergen here. She makes wonderful food. Her kids are used to wonderful food. So they just decide to pick and choose what they think is good. I don't mean to pick on you there, but I've seen it. You know? And we do it as adults. We do it as adults. I mean, I'm just telling you guys, you gotta learn how to eat fish and steak. You gotta learn how to eat your fruits and vegetables. You gotta. And you gotta do it with the word of God. There's an attitude that we have. And it's a seduction. It's a consumer mentality. Right? I can pick what I want. Right? I can go to the grocery store and pick what I want. We're deceived away from the truth. We tend to avoid what makes us feel guilty, for instance. 
We tend to avoid what makes us feel uncomfortable. We fail to develop conviction. We lose appreciation for how conviction changed us, how just being convicted of who we were and what was going on in our life, how it started to, it, it started something inside of us. It was God churning us, right? I remember that. And I, I, I go after it. My wife will tell you that sometimes I just, she's like, man, I can't believe you keep on bringing this up. I'm going to keep on telling you you're wrong. But if it lines up with the word of God that you're wrong, then, then you are wrong. See, we, we get offended by that, what's personal to us. We get offended by what's particular to us. I remember someone, they were, they were perfectly fine. I'll never forget it. I, I remember they were perfectly fine as long as it didn't get specific. But when I started to tell them, and ask them specific questions. Then, oh, it, was, it didn't take long. I mean, it was like, it was from one point to, to, to I, I turned into a demon in 30 seconds. See, because when it gets particular, when it aims at an effect, because that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to turn you into an honorable vessel. Yeah. And he's saying you don't start out that way. That's why he says if you come from the ladder, that means if you go from an unholy vessel and you change, you repent. If you choose this, then you can become honorable. And I remind you, again, it's fearful. It's a wonderful thought because the wonderful part of that thought is that souls will be saved through your change. Souls will be saved. The problem is most of us just stumble stupidly through our Christian lives. Neither seeking nor having any sensitivity to this reality. You know, the attitude that God will do what he does. God will do what he do. What did he do that? You know? My kids love that song. But that song means absolutely nothing. zippity do that, zippity a. Boy, oh boy, what a wonderful day. That don't mean nothing. That's the silliest song I've ever heard in my life. My, oh my, whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's, that's, that's the attitude, that song. Zippity doo dah, right? My oh my, who's living that life? Where, is, where are they? They are not in the real world. No. This is why my boy cries when I take Mickey away. That's why he does that. Because he's like, I want to be in the fake world, the fable. Let me be in the zippity doo dah fable world. I don't want to be in the real world where I have to take a nap to function. Right? I want to stay up all day and eat candy and then watch videos 
and, and, then, and then just until my eyes just fall out of my face. That's what I want to do, Daddy. Can I do that? Beautiful, wonderful thought. Romans 5, 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Let's look at the influence of the obedience or disobedience. It has great effect. And only eternity will reveal it to us what could or should have been. You know, all of this, just a little side note, God is God. He does have no wrong. And ultimately, his will will be done. But what I'm preaching is eternal wisdom. He's deliberately chosen you as a piece of artwork, for lack of a better word. He's chosen you to either signify honor or dishonor, good or evil, righteousness or unrighteousness, truth or lies. He's chosen you. And he's deliberately chosen you. He's deliberately chosen all of us to work through. This is an interesting point, but it's a true point. He's limiting himself to those who will be his divine and chosen vessels. He's giving you a great honor. He's limiting himself to those who will choose to be his vessel. Think about that. Wait. Paul says it perfectly. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. This treasure, this treasure is that honor that God is putting inside of you. This treasure isn't just God himself. God is more than a treasure. So what is he saying here? God is more than a treasure. He's more than a reward for us. God is God. This treasure is that honor. This treasure is Jesus Christ who came down and humbled himself, who chose 12 men, who around the rest of the world now we look at them as moral or Christian, but these men were just men. They weren't the choice. They weren't the fine crop. They weren't the religious majority. They were not the elite. They did not possess or demonstrate superior qualities. They did not have skills that set them apart. They were simple men. Some were educated, some were not. But basically, they were all common men. And they represented a cross-section of common men. But they responded. They let God use and work through them. They sanctified themselves. They set themselves apart for God's purpose and for God's work. And now they are 
cherished vessels. Now that their lives have finished, they are something that we look up to. The problem is many have our own agenda, don't we? Some of us even call it ministry, but the issue is not that. The issue is, are you a vessel that is clean and available to God? Or are you just any old vessel? Is that your attitude? Are you designed and made for a function? I want to tell you something. When I look out at this congregation of people, I see so many great functions and so many great opportunities for God to be honored. And I'm not just saying that. I'm saying it because I've seen it in you. Many of you. Many of you. Not even so long ago, when, when, when everything hit the fan for Pastor Marsh, and everything started tumbling down, you guys didn't even know anything about it. I just said, hey guys, we're going to have the, 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 uh, the, the, the uh, uh, harvesters here at the church. And because of what God had done, because of the facility that he had given us, because of the great uh, beauty of what we had, we saved Pastor Marsh hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Not only that, we were able to put out an event. He had to do no work. Nothing. Not one thing. And he had so much on his plate making sure that that church could be ready down the road. A congregation of, of many people that, were, that had no place to worship. And so it was all of them. And we became a vessel of honor in that moment. A vessel that could do an event like that and have all these men from India and from, from Australia and men from uh, that are missionaries all over the world here preaching for us. Amen. I mean, if it wasn't for Pastor Marsh, or Pastor uh, Lopez trying to sing, it would have been perfect, right? <laughs> Praise God. I want to tell you something. Don't tell him that he's going to get <laughs> God doesn't make us all the same. Enough. But he does all make us vessels. If we seek and avail ourselves, he will do an amazing thing for you. A thing that will produce great honor. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. We serve a good God tonight. Listen tonight. If you have become unclean, if you have become designed